Good evening. A couple questions for you. What is your commitment to God like? And is your every action dedicated to the purpose of being fully committed to God? It's so nice to see everyone, like I said. It's been a long last stretch of October. We're now in November. I want to thank the elders for their guidance during this stressful time. And, and uh, they need our prayers as they navigate these, these tough Amen. waters. Exodus 18. Exodus 18 is where we'll begin. This will be our, our main passage. like for this evening. Many of us are back and, and we're feeling a little bit better. My prayer is that everyone, everyone gets better and we become stronger after this. In Matthew 25, 23, it says, Well done, good and faithful servant. These are the words that, that God will, will speak to his committed servants. But life gets busy. Life is full of distractions and our commitment to God can be hazy in a way. We can focus and worry too much on the unimportant things in life, and we can start to do things for ourselves and lay out our work, achievements, and accomplishments pointing to ourselves. However, our commitment and our actions show where our true commitments lie, where our dedication and our loyalty lie. God knows where our priorities lie and, and what they are and what's important to us in life. Committing to a life for God isn't always easy, though. Right? It's, it's easy to, to... It doesn't take much thought to work for ourselves. It's me working for me, and that's it. But to understand that our actions can have a purpose that's greater than ourselves because there's a God with a plan and a will can make a difference for good in the lives of others and our eternal future. God wants to use those that aren't easily distracted and those that love life because he's given us a life and a chance to, to bring some positivity into the world. God wants to use committed individuals that are going to go 120% for God because of the work that helps grow his eternal kingdom. When we look at the word commitment, we look it up in the Webster Dictionary, there's two definitions. An agreement to, to pledge or pledge to do something in the future or the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, and so on. But Exodus 18 gives us a unique perspective on how to strengthen our commitment to God. And I'd like to turn our attention there. Exodus 18, we'll, take, we'll travel back in time and notice Moses as he's leading God's people from Egypt to, to the Promised Land, which is modern-day Israel. How many of us have busy lives? I imagine most of us have pretty busy lives. Moses is a busy guy. The exact number of people that, that he's leading you know, from Egypt into this, into this other land isn't exactly clear, but from Exodus 12, verse 37, we're given this count. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. That's a lot of people that Moses has to, has to oversee. Right, something is going to go wrong here. Somebody's going to step on someone's toe and eventually Moses is going to hear about it. It's just going to happen. But imagine for a second that you're given this task of migrating millions of people into this other land. That's a heavy responsibility, even if it were 5,000 people. It takes a certain level of commitment, and Moses has his work cut out for him. And we read this starting with verse 13. Exodus 18, verse 13. Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. That's all day. 
Verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why are you sitting by yourself and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me and I decide what between a man and his neighbor and I make known the decrees of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both you and these people who are with you. For this is too heavy a burden for you. You are not able to do it by yourself. Now listen to me. I will give you advice and may God be with you. You be a, a representative for the people to God. And you bring their disputes to God. Warn them of the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they must walk and work and the work that they must do. But you choose for the, pe- for the, for the people capable men, God-fearing men, men of truth, those who hate bribes and put them over the people as rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. They will judge the people under normal circumstances. And every difficult case they will bring to you, but every small case they themselves will judge so that you may make it easier for yourself. And they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will be able to go home satisfied. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he had said. Moses chose capable men from all Israel, and he made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. They judged the people under normal circumstances. The difficult cases, they would bring the Moses, but every small case, they would judge themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law, as every good son should do, on his way, and so Jethro went to his own land. I'm just kidding. But imagine for a second, though, that if you, you went through your entire life not being able to, to see yourself or not knowing what you truly looked like, never seeing your own reflection, you know how many problems that would fix and how many problems that would, that would cause? Well, I think many of us, we like to go through life imagining that we're, we're better than we actually are. Sometimes looking in the mirror, seeing the culprit to many of our problems is good for us. Helps bring us back down to reality. You see, without God and the help of others, we can view ourselves as more powerful than we actually are. Jethro tells Moses in verse 18, you are not able to do it by yourself. We need a team. We need a team to rally together and help us pull through. I've never understood this concept of settling down, right? We get married, we have a kid, and then we settle down and we give into our faith that someone younger without any distractions is just going to fly past us. And that might be true for some of us. It might be, but I've never worked harder or, or excelled more than when I had a family that motivated me and pushed me to continue on. You see, our family can be a part of our team. Our church family can be a part of our team. It doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. Our commitment to God can be hindered or it can excel greatly. But either way, our focus needs some assistance at times from those that we put in our inner circle. Now, what's the first thing that Jethro suggests Moses, struggling Moses here, do to improve the commitment he's made to God? 
Verse 21, but you choose from the people capable men, God-fearing men, men of truth, those who hate bribes. What does that tell us about those who we should, tell us about us or those that we should put in our team? Capable, God-fearing people who love truth, hate bribes? See, people who have God's best interests at heart and truly want to see us succeed in him and still be fully committed to God. People that excel in this kind of relationship are not people that that betray their friends or take advantage of God's people. And Moses, he chooses favorably. Moses, he was what? He was judging the people, right? Judging the people through discernment and he was enforcing God's law. See, discernment should be our number one tool when committing our time to relationships that are going to help us grow closer to God and not pull us away. Well, how do we discern, you know, how do we discern when to assemble or how to assemble a team? When, when we're trying to find and assemble a team of committed individuals that will help us become more committed, right? Discerning, I think, one's character is extremely important. How do we do that? How do we discern if they're capable, God-fearing individuals that will benefit us in our journey of faith together? Well, keep a marker in Exodus 18, and let's jump to John 7. John 7 here, Jesus gives us some pointers on how to make some discernment and how to discern one's character. John 7, starting with verse 14, and we'll read to 29. We'll start with verse 14 and 15. John 7, verses 14 through 15. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple, began teaching. The Jews, therefore, marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? We'll stop right there for a second. What are they trying to do here? They're trying to discern Jesus' credentials, right? Who is this guy? Is this guy who he says he is? What this guy is saying is, can it be true? How does he know so much when he doesn't have higher education, if you will? Well, in turn, these people discern with the tools of man, and they judge his intelligence really by their standard of measurement, saying what? How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied in verse 15? I love Jesus' response. Jesus' response is perfect if we continue reading. He tells us how to discern the credentials. Verse 16, by saying, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who seeks, sorry, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? I love how another virgin says the same thing in verse 18. The one who desires the honor of the one who sent him is a man of integrity, and there is no uprightness in him. Unrighteousness, excuse me. How do we discern if someone qualifies to be on our team? How do we do that? We listen to their words. Who do they talk about? Who do they glorify? Is what they're saying to be true or false? Is it biblical or is it, is it self-centered? The words of an individual will always reveal to us who they truly are and who they stand by. 
I'm not saying we shouldn't trust people or we should be suspicious of our neighbor. 1 Timothy 6.4 makes that clear. However, when assembling a group of people that's going to help us be more committed to God, we do well to observe whether they are committed in words and deeds. And Jesus gives us another way to discern a man's character as the crowd around him accuses him. Look with me at verse 20. Now the crowd answered, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. And Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, you are you angry with me? Because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. In the old law at this time, Leviticus 12.3, they were to circumcise a child on the eighth day after they were born. And sometimes that eighth day fell on the Sabbath when they're supposed to be resting. And so Jesus is saying, why am I wrong for healing someone on the Sabbath if both are good deeds and come from God? When Jesus tells them in verse 24, He's saying, look at my deeds. They are good and they are righteous. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. You know, what, what we can say sometimes can be misunderstood, it, um, but what we do seals what we say. Someone can say one thing and then just do another. Our commitment is going to be strengthened when those around us are making godly commitments. I love this passage up here on the screen. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James 3, 17 through 18. Are the words and deeds of those that we surround ourselves with, are they impartial and sincere? Are the people we surround ourselves with, are they driving a wedge between us and God? You see, a team that has our back and wants us to be more committed to God are people that promote peace. And one of the things I love about this church at Milwaukee Ave is our harvest is sown in peace because of those who make peace, those who urge us to do well by proper judgment, discernment, and commitment. And finally, Jesus gives us a third way of discerning. Look with me, read with me in 25, verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple, you know me, you know where I come from, but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Human judgment is often flawed in many ways, and it's something that we shouldn't depend on. See, Jesus responds here to these people that are trying to, to question his identity with truth in verses 28 and 29. He who sent me is true, and he sent me. If we have proper discernment, then we should be able to, to read this discussion in John 7. Honestly, take Jesus for his word. With integrity, Jesus' words and, and deeds and actions, they seem to be righteous. 
Then we compare them with God's words and God's deeds and shown in Scripture, Jesus measures up. When we look for team players, people who are going to assist us in, in being more committed to God, which I think this church does a great job at, how well do their words and deeds line up with God's words and God's deeds? When we use God's words to assist in our discernment, we're looking for consistent fear for God. When we look for capable men and women to help strengthen our commitment to God, his word should be our major source for discernment. God's word assists us in making the unclear clear because it shows one's true character. So understanding that though we, we make mistakes, we're not perfect all the time, we make miscalculations, we're not looking for perfection. However, a capable person, when lined up with scripture, should, should fear God and possess that wisdom and then when we take a step back, we've now, right, we've now assembled our team. We use proper discernment to surround ourselves with people that are actually going to endure with us. That's important. What do we do then with the work that God has given us? We prioritize. Turn with me back to Exodus 18. Let's notice some further advice Jethro gives to Moses. Exodus 18. Productivity is, is often felt once everything on our list is accomplished, right? So what do we do? We take everything we can think of and we put it on that list and we don't give ourselves a realistic timeline and we expect to finish everything we wanted in just a couple hours, right? It's a common theme, at least for me. But how does this situation help us become more committed to what's important in life? How can we become fully committed to God when we fill our plates so full that there's no more room for God? We tell ourselves, well, maybe if I finish really quickly, well, then I can put God in there somewhere. But for some, God is just pushed to the side. And if we're not careful, our commitment to God can become really just a hobby that sits in the corner and we take out whenever we have some, some spare time. But then we might say, well, how does my commitment to God, it won't get my projects at, at work done. It, it won't allow me to fully binge that Netflix series or, or so on and so on. But in verse 21, what does Jethro tell Moses to do with the team that he should assemble? Put them over the people as rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. They will judge the people under normal circumstances, and every difficult case they will bring to you. But every small case they themselves will judge so that you may make it easier for yourself. And they will bear the burden with you. Now, we may not have the resources or the great responsibility that Moses had as a leader to use his people the way, the way he did. But we can still use this passage to help strengthen, and strengthen our commitment to God. And for most of us, the people we assemble in our team aren't people that, that work for us, but, but for God. Individuals that assist us in ways that influence, encourage, and motivate us to be more committed to God. For most of us, you know, that's what we need. Our job with, with the workload God has blessed us with is a variation of verse 21. Put them over the people as rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. It's, it's easy to get caught up in the small stuff of life and to trick ourselves into thinking that, well, we're being productive human beings. God doesn't want us to get distracted in the small stuff 
if it's going to distract us from him or hold us back from engaging in a deeper relationship with God. God wants to be a part of our life. He should already be on our plate of life. We don't make room for God. We make room for everything else after our commitments have been properly prioritized. That means we might have to drop or sacrifice something that we enjoy in this world to keep our focus and commitment on who really matters in our life. Just like it says there that a person is ruling over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, well, there should be certain things in our life that deserve more or less time, more or less effort. You know, things that we should prioritize to help make us more committed to God. Don't think, though, that Moses isn't doing anything. He still has responsibilities. Verse 22, every difficult case they will bring to you, but every small case they themselves will judge. In fact, Moses is still working. In fact, he's doing the most difficult task. The difference is he's spreading that workload so the small things aren't taking up too much of his time. And that's important to realize here. More importantly, Jethro is telling Moses that he should prioritize in order to refocus and strengthen his commitment to God and his people. And so we, we prioritize. We prioritize what God wants us to spend more time on. Look, we all have different We all have different chapters of life. We're all in different chapters of life. Maybe at this time we have, you know, young children at home. That should be one of our main priorities, teaching them to glorify God. Moses understood that in this chapter of his life, of leading and judging the people, as it says there, he had other tasks God needed him to do, other than judging the people all day long from morning until evening the later part of verse 22, so that you may make it easier for yourself. We need to find out where we are in life, prioritize the work that God has given us to fit whatever chapter we are in. And when we have assembled our team, our priorities are straight, and we've made those sacrifices, and we must commit with purpose our work to God. This is not just telling God to fix this or, or do that. We want God's help, right? We need God's help. But do we ever just tell God you know, how we're feeling? Do we take a moment to, to think about how in this moment we are feeling and then share that with God? This should, this should give us more clarity and strengthen our commitment to God so the path forward is just a little more clear. Now, it seems easier sometimes to just tell God to just fix it, to fix our problems. Instead of stopping, becoming aware of how we feel, analyzing our life, compared with God's mind and word, casting those feelings on God in a way that is humble and still respectful to God's will. Proverbs 16, 3 through 4 reminds us with wisdom to commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose. Everything God created has a purpose. Nothing is without the mind and hand of God. That includes us. He created us with a purpose. He, he, we have to ask ourselves, are our plans in line, are our commitments fully committed to God and his will for our lives? God created us in his image. He wants a relationship, relationship with us. Excuse me. And it's because of him that our life has meaning. Proverbs 16.3 there says, commit your work and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord. Our plans 
you know, with God will be established the way God wants them to establish when we commit our choices and our actions to God. Because we serve a committed and a loving God, I think we should be pleasantly surprised that our work and everything we do will work out for our joy and, and His glory as long as they are in line with Him. I don't know about you, but I love this passage, that this verse here in verse 19 that Jethro tells Moses at the beginning of his advice. Now listen to me. I will give you advice and may God be with you. Commitment is a measurement of how we spend our time and effort. How we spend our time and effort is a direct mirror of our heart and what truly matters to us. These aren't things that, that we haven't heard before, but they are things that we forget or we become distracted from. These aren't new things, but, but we can use them. Now, I want to look at one last scripture, Colossians 3. One last scripture from God's word. Colossians 3, verse 17, and then 23 through 25. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 23 Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong that he has done, and there is no partiality. We've had a few rough weeks as a congregation, and now more than ever we need to check our priorities and make sure they're in line with God's word and his deed in order to glorify him and assist those that that need our help. God doesn't want us to just run from our problems. Hard times, they'll come and they'll go. The question is, how are we going to tackle those problems when they come? Let's assess the options and do what God and those struggling need from us. Let's show where our commitments lie by tackling those, those problems positively and positive ways for God. Moses wasn't running from the Israelites and, and their problems that just seemed to be flooding around him. In fact, he was taking on so much that in verse 18 of Exodus 18, Jethro tells him, you will surely wear out both you and these people who are with you. Not only Moses will burn out, but the people with him. How can we be fully dedicated and committed servants if we hide from our problems or, or we bite off more than we can chew? Every moment and every breath is a blessing from God. Let's be strategic with our time and prioritize our needs and our deeds so we can be more efficiently committed to God. And just like we have to do sometimes, Moses, he took a step back, and with the help of a team, he prioritized the workload that he had and the problems that he faced so that God was glorified. If we can do these things, well then as it says in Exodus 18.23, if God so commands, then he will be able to endure. But to endure means that we have to be fully committed to God. From the time that we are baptized till there's no more days, that commitment can drive us to be who we never thought we could be, but who God knew we always could be. Colossians 3.24, we just read a second ago, says we will receive the inheritance as our reward, serving the Lord Christ. What is that inheritance? Well, in Titus 3.7, it says that being justified by God's grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This inheritance of eternal life with God is for those fully committed to him. 
The question is, when is your day one? When will you make that ultimate commitment to obey the gospel of salvation preached by Jesus? And if you understand and feel the call to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins through Christ Jesus, or if you just need to be strengthened by the prayers of the congregation, please come forward. We stand and we sing.